Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going? Happy New Year. How's life? We're back. We are back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, happy to be back. You know, first break really ever from releasing episodes at least. So feel felt kind of weird, but uh yeah, happy to be back. And we could tell that some people at least missed us because we had a, we had a big surge yeah. in people listening to our back catalog last week. So we're back. We're gonna be sticking around. We were not expecting that. We were not expecting to see the catalog go a little crazy in the in the last week. So uh yeah, I think it was it was great to see, but we got a fun episode today to start the new year. And before we get into it, make sure drop a follow on the podcast if you could on Apple or Discord. We're switching up the intro a little bit, Henry. I'm doing this on the fly though, but I, I want I want people to follow and get that and get the podcast into their ecosystem again after us taking a week off. And if you want to be featured on the podcast in the form of a question, ask it in our Discord channel meant for questions or leave it in the form of a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you would like, drop us a follow on Twitter at Kirkrudo Shea and at HP Burson. Links for those Twitters and the Discord are in the description, as always. If you're feeling generous in the new year, you want to support the third party podcast, we have a Patreon page. A lot of awesome benefits over there, ton of great supporters. So amazing community. It's also the best place to to be consistently to have guaranteed access first come, first serve to the third-party invitational tournaments. So Patreon's where it's at. We'd appreciate any and all support. So check that out. Also, going to have a link for you in the description. With that, though, let's just dive right into the news. Okay, first piece of news. We have a really cool community achievement to highlight that uh, Play Apex tweeted about the other day. There were over 1 billion thank yous sent in-game in 2022. Henry, I know you're saying thank you every time we drop, drop the ping, but a billion is always a big number. <laughs> yeah, that's billion with a B. So, yeah, pretty crazy stat, I think. It's always fun when they drop these kind of numbers because um, it's not exactly something you can quantify to figure out anything in terms of player base or revenue but it's definitely a good point to look at and say there's a lot of players and they're engaging and they're playing and they're using these cool features uh too which i think is fun yeah it's all it was a very random feature that was added you know into the game and it's great to see that it's something we use a ton and it's uh i think it's a good little positive part of the community so Outside of that, we got some 2022 Apex Twitch stats to share as well. Apex was the fifth most watched game overall on Twitch. It was the number one most watched Battle Royale game and the third most streamed game overall on Twitch. We both work in the gaming space. We both work with streamers. Oof, Apex is balling, man. Balling. Yeah. How do you like them apples? It's like crazy numbers. I think, you know, all three of those are staggering the one that i think most people will look at as the most impressive is it being the number one most watched br you gotta remember where apex was at in the first like half of 2022 if not the first 
like three quarters of 2022, like Warzone and Fortnite had some all time low moments mm-hmm. and Apex absorbed all of that uh, with some of their best seasons of all time in 2022. Um, I think a lot of people might be tied up in the Q4 craziness of AAA game releases and everything that goes down there. But overall, man, I think these numbers just speak for themselves that Apex is a wildly popular and successful game. Yeah, 100%. I think that's very well said and hope to continue to see said success in 2023. Next piece of news, though, there was a solo quality of life change recommendation on Reddit that was received very well by some respawn devs and the user raised the one recommended that adding a progress bar when a teammate is healing similar to the ui for when a teammate is being revived would improve the solo queue experience um so if you can think of that off the top of your head it's the you know that triangle line essentially in green that goes around next to a player's bar as they're being revived and we actually have that same shape with whatever heal a player is hitting right now but we don't have said bar to correspond and so just a fun little i guess ui recommendation and the response senior software engineer chris responded saying this is a great idea nice one so i hope that means maybe we'll see something implemented in the future that'd be cool to see direct from the community into the game (laughs) yeah my perspective on this is this is a very very small feature Mm -hmm. like could it be implemented yes would the impact of it drastically improve the solo queue experience? I don't feel that way. Like I feel like what we have already is pretty clear, you know, like in terms of what use cases would it be a game changer? I don't really see the value. But I love to see developer player communication happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I seek a lot of positivity in that. Yeah. I'm just on the boat of like anything to make solo queuing just even a tad bit better. Like the more features and UI that make sense in the game, the better. Like that would be great. And so, yeah, it's something small. You probably only notice it on bats and med kits and Phoenix kits, probably mostly just even Phoenix kits for the most part. But yeah, cool little thing that, like you said, great to see the devs kind of maybe monitoring Reddit, if that's the word we want to use, but interacting for sure. So good one to see. Um, Next piece of news, we got some updates on cheating in Apex Legends from Chris Bruzzo, EA's chief experience officer, during recent chat he had with IGN Africa. Uh, EA is, quote, aggressively banning cheaters to reduce toxicity in their games. Quote, one of the root causes of toxicity is when players feel like the environment is unfair. We have prioritized addressing cheaters as one of the best ways for us to reduce toxicity. Quote, we find that when games are buggy or have cheaters in them, so when there's no good anti-cheat or when the anti-cheat is falling behind, especially in competitive games, that is one of the root causes of a huge percentage of toxicity. Uh, We saw on Twitter our guy, Mr. Hammer, talking about the anti-cheat software being improved in Apex in 2023. So I think this is all pointing, obviously, just towards a better system, more bans to cheaters, and an overall improved experience in the game. But I like that they were kind of actually getting the reasoning why. Like, you know, cheating equals toxicity, I think, is pretty clear. But just to kind of get that communication from someone at the company and talk to it in depth a little bit, I think, is a 
cool set of communication to receive to start the year. Yeah, I think this is really positive. I maybe need some clarification. You're you're saying that cheating equals toxicity is pretty clear. Do you see that as cheaters are toxic or cheating breeds toxicity in the players I around think them? Cheating breeds toxicity in the players around them. I think you're I mean for me at least it's so when you get beamed by someone you know we've been very lucky i don't think we've experienced as much cheating as it seems like a lot of people some do that you know are playing 20 hours a day full time in those pred lobbies which is where it seems to be seen the most but you see the reactions of people when you're beamed by a cheater it's got to be the most frustrating thing in gaming generally not just apex but just gaming all around i think you know anytime you have Negative experiences like that, that's just going to breed more negativity for you towards the game overall. And if that bleeds onto a random and voice comms in three games from then, it's just more negativity in the game is bad, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think cheating yeah. along with other things do tend to lead towards that toxicity in gaming at times. That's interesting that you draw that immediate parallel because... Maybe my definition of toxicity is different, but frustration, totally. Yeah. I'm assuming that what Chris is saying is super data-driven, that they actually know this as a fact, that they feel like when cheating increases, they have more toxicity in their game chat. Mm. But I think that's kind of wild because toxicity to me isn't just feeling frustrated with the game. It's like, being mean and overly aggressive to other players. Yeah. And it's hard to even tell, I think, when the cheater is involved. So as a player, I don't really see it, but I think it's interesting that EA is certainly has data yeah. to back this up. And I just think that's kind of crazy because I think you're probably right that one cheater could have a ripple effect across I, I just games and games and games I, I mean i think it's just like cheating equals frustrating moments for gamers and that's i think what you're yeah. saying is that frustration equals toxicity and i don't think it's an immediate thing but i think it is you know an overtime uh element that maybe is added i would love yeah if there's like i think you're right in saying like there probably is data to back this up if they're you know speaking with it with there's such validity be, yeah. um and so yeah, I think uh, it'd be cool to maybe even get... I, we'll never get more in-depth than that. But I think it's It's yeah. really interesting to kind of see. And gaming being known for having a semi-toxic community, I think it's an interesting, like you were saying, just talking point to kind of dive into in this front. <laughs> it is. like I would always look at cheating as kind of a fringe issue to focus on. But if the CEO is saying this is front and center because we believe it has a huge impact. That, I think, is pretty profound, because the only reason they would do that if they think this is really the cause. And so this is not like a Band-Aid issue. They're trying to you know, hit it at its source. So yeah. really interested to continue following this and see what sort of results they get. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's get into a more fun topic, maybe. Uh, I don't know if this is deemed a fun topic. We got a little like esports news update, um, and this happened over you know our holiday break. But another esports team has left the competitive Apex scene. Uh, this time it is G two, so that is Resulta, Chaotic, and Designful. Uh, you know those are 
the old school AIMSYS controller boys that we interviewed back in the day with Resulta and Design, Chaotic, notoriously made the transition from being like number one pred into the esports scene and had some well. Um, yeah, but definitely a fascinating piece of news, I would say. It's the third one. We're going to get into kind of like uh, Hal, Imperial Hal and Snipe Down had some thoughts on this. We'll dive into those in a little bit, but kind of just your first reaction. This is team number three now to leave. We've talked about it in depth already, so maybe we don't need to dive into the nitty gritty of it. But does a third team now leaving do anything to you from your perspective? More of the same. My perspective is this is market factors. You know, like right now I'm really focused in like the fundraising space and the creator economy. And second half of 2022, it went down. And so some people are claiming, oh, wow, that industry isn't as strong. But all tech was down. So you kind of have to look at the whole market, in my opinion, to, to draw a conclusion on you know, whether or not pro Apex teams and orgs cutting their rosters is symptomatic of something that's happening in Apex specifically, or is it across esports or you know, social media or the whole world economy in general? I, I kind of lean towards the latter. Maybe that's too optimistic. I don't know, but I'm excited to, to read those other comments. Yeah, we'll go into those. I, I'm now realizing I got a little, we'll change the order around on some of this news. But essentially, Dexerto writer Carver Fisher kind of broke down in a recent article, Imperial Hall and Snipedown's opinions on why they think these tier one orgs are leaving Apex. And so we're going to kind of read a bit of Carver's writing and quotes from each of these guys as well. So Hal, uh, to start, he said, quote, these orgs are funding so much money into other games that it makes Apex just look like nothing. That was a big part of Hal's takes on, take on why these orgs are leaving and that the poor performance of these rosters show that it's hard to guarantee a good ROI in the scene when compared to other bigger esports. Quote from Hal, I don't buy any of that BS, is what Hal had to say about the organizations claiming that they left because EA didn't support them. He also claimed that these big companies may have stuck around if their teams were consistently qualifying for big events. Do you want to talk about Hal's thoughts and sure. then go into Snipe Down? Because it's it's very interesting yeah. because Hal is, I think, in part saying like, hey, yeah, the scene's not as big as other esports, but these teams aren't performing and they're not seeing an ROI. And we've talked about in a battle royale how hard it is to see you know consistent performance in this just game genre as a whole. So it is tough. Um, the counterpoint that was made in this article to Hal's point was essentially that, uh, you know, BRs are of this nature. And if performance was the reason that they are leaving, they probably would have dropped the team and brought in a new team rather than just leave entirely, which is like how saying performance being an issue and impact, but maybe it is more of a battle royale genre than apex thing for them. Probably a combination of the two. Um, if you want to like yeah. drill in on, specific teams and ask, you know, why did this happen? Um, I think it's bold. You know, you can always count on how for coming out with a hot take and saying the reason that all these teams backed out is because they suck. Um, yeah, I think it's probably more honest because you think about sports or esports in general, it's all about talent, you know, individual players, teams that they get the results. I personally feel 
Apex doesn't have a ton of all-star talent. Like, you cannot rattle off dozens and dozens of all-star players that could be competing in a, in a 60-person lobby. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there aren't that many. And so the fact that we don't see just simply enough talent to fill all the Tier 1 and Tier 2 rosters kind of makes sense to me. I'm, I think that this year is going to be really good for professional Apex because there's so much opportunity for a new talent to come up. But if we look back, I think that I kind of agree with how that the talent's not there. Mm-hmm. Like, I think anybody can kind of see that. Yeah. Is the talent not there, though, being a... Is that an inflection on the actual quality of players who are choosing to play Apex Legends versus other games? Or is it a representation of how hard it is to be consistent in a battle royale? Like that, I think that's part of probably my, both. Yeah, because yeah, that, the best fair. players they want they want consistent performance. Yeah, um, they probably want to respawn. Um, you know, I don't know what the first. I don't know the exact context of the first sentence of House quote that orgs are funding more other games much more than Apex. He could be referring to just how much they're spending on their players and mm-hmm. salary. And that kind of ties back to my point and your point that the talent doesn't exist. They're playing other games, mm-hmm. like, or they're not in the BR world. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I definitely think there's, there's something to it in terms of the BR, in terms of the talent. And then the whole question of the prize pool, which is, you know, Snipe Down's conversation a little bit more. So Snipe Down, this is from Carver's article, Snipe Down's take was rooted more in business where he argued that these teams are having a hard time justifying their stay in Apex Legends for a multitude of reasons, chief among them being that Apex Legends could be seen as an unsuitable, unsta- unsustainable product. I am struggling to read to start the new year, Henry. Um, quote, when tier one orgs are leaving, that means they're seeing something non-tier one orgs aren't. But most non-tier one orgs are not looking to make an ROI right away, he explained. They are mostly just trying to be seen with the big guns like the TSMs and the faces and all these other ones. They're just looking to be in the picture. Snipedone argues that smaller organizations can justify losing money on Apex by having exposure at significant events in an esport that is very unpredictable in many ways. So Snipe is kind of leaning more towards the, hey, it's not profitable to be in the Apex scene for an esports org, generally speaking. And because of that, it's people are leaving. But the counter argument is interesting. I think that he brings in of like smaller orgs now, like you were saying, being able to seize mm-hmm. this opportunity, come into the spotlight in what is still a big game, regardless of how much an org earns or anything, there is still eyeballs on Apex. So these smaller orgs being able to come in is an interesting note as well, I think for sure. Yeah, I, I think that it's almost laughable, you know, having Apex talked about as potentially being unsustainable um, after the the amazing year that they had. I mean, you and I were both shocked by player counts and viewer counts throughout 2022. Like I, We could not even describe it. I don't think he's referring to Apex Legends as a whole as a game. I think he's referring to it as an esport, as a battle royale in an esport, which is 
more true. I think still fair to then your point. Maybe it has to just come down to the battle royale mechanic because like, my hot if take the viewership on is there, is then the esport is good. Yeah, because that's where the money comes from. I don't think battle royales are going to be a sustainable esport. I don't think it's enjoyable to watch the lure. And the we've viewership been saying that for years. The viewership's lower than other events of the same. You know of. Games of smaller sizes can drive similar event numbers to Apex, which is always uh, interesting to see. I think it just it, there isn't consistency, which is what's so great about a battle royale. To, to be clear, I'm it's not a saying edged sword. Yeah, I'm not saying like we need to change how Apex esports or battle royales work. I think it's awesome by all means. It is just inconsistent by the nature of the game, uh, and because of that, yeah, you're not gonna be able to consistently have the top three players, have the top three players make the most money. And that's because of the meta changes they've made to the game itself. Look, we had back in the day when TSM was the stalwart, winning every tournament, going top three every single time. And that was in our slower meta of Watson and people going final ring. And there was supposed to be more consistency in that nature. And now we're an edge ring fights, KP kind of meta. And TSM's great. They have success all the time, but like we haven't watched them win like a major tournament. It feels like in yeah. a long time. So, <laughs> I I also just struggle to fully support the notion that tier one orgs they only do things that are ROI positive. Well, based off what we all know, at any tier, esports is not profitable. It just isn't. So to you know, look at that as a reason to abandon your Apex roster. I don't know. I have a hard time buying that. I think that it's expensive to be in the game and it's a tough economy right now. And if you lose sponsors, you got to cut salaries. Yeah. No, and that's as simple as it is in my mind. No, and, and I think that's totally fair. And, and I think there's just a huge, there's many conversations to have about Apex Legends. Like, for example, you know, next piece of news, and we can relate it back to this, but is all three major Apex Legends land events in 2023 are going to be held in London. So split one playoffs, February 2nd to 5th, split two, June 8th to 11th, and then you got championships coming in the summer of 2023. Henry, we follow Apex very closely. Very, very, very closely. I think this is the first year where we semi-understand the structure of the esports scene in totality like yeah. in terms of like from year some from start of year three to the end of year three how do you get from point a to point b but i don't know if this is a ea apex problem or if this is a battle royale problem because i don't follow the Warzone esports i don't follow um fortnite's esports scene by any means but it does seem to be not very well structured in terms of it's making not a it league you it's, know? Not, it's not approachable it's not though to the casual fan, and we don't it see isn't. it. Like we don't see. I was just listening to a podcast talking about how League of Legends does such a good job with their grassroots uh, programs. Yeah. Like if you are playing League at two a.m. with your three friends, and it's the second time you've played in the last forty-five days, well, you're still going to see a pop-up notification about the next tournament or about the next esports event. Like we finally kind of started to get that in Apex this last mm -hmm. year. But I still don't know if it's where it needs to be in terms of the promotion of esports, if it is something they care about enough. Um, 
And from what we've heard in the last three months, it's a big priority for EA and the the Apex team. Totally. Pro play is driving so much of, you know, how they're trying to design their ranked play, how Mm -hmm. they're trying to, you know, promote themselves on socials. So I don't know. I'm optimistic. I think we see teams leave, but I only think that's that's better for the people to stay. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's fair, and, and we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, like, in a year, do teams come back? You know, that how is very it likely from that point? So very likely, it's it's interesting to see. Uh, we said it, I think, last time we had this discussion of. We might try and do like a deep dive on the prize pool and stuff in this battle royale industry as a whole. So compare Apex to other BRs in terms of potential profitability, along with then comparing it to other versions of esports just to get the huge sense of things in absolute detail. So maybe that still will be on the horizon. Um, But it's just a very interesting topic to both of us who are pretty uh, in this industry uh, from our, our day jobs. So... With that, though, that wraps up the news. And so we're going to wrap this episode up by answering some five-star questions. And the first one is a five-star coming from 321. Have some fun. Hey, guys, love your podcast. As always, I've written a review before, but I was listening to one of your recent podcasts about your 2023 wish list, and it got me thinking about new weapons. How would you guys feel about a new Mythic tier care package melee weapon? I know Apex is a gun game, but I'm going to be honest. I'm like you guys and love Star Wars and love an excuse to deflect some bullets for once while hacking and slashing my way through a crowded building. What do you think? It's wonderful. Um, the lightsaber was a big reason for me uh, doing a little stint in Fortnite last summer. So fun. Like, incredibly fun and wildly balanced, as crazy as it sounds. Like, Blew my mind. Um, would could it be in Apex? I don't know. I think you know the throwable mythic tier weapon, if you want to call it, that we already have in the game, the throwing knife. Could that be in the care package? Like, would that be game breaking? And would that scratch this itch? I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. That's for freaking sure. Um, what I will say, 100% in pubs, yeah. The question is, can you bring it into ranked in an effective way? Can you bring it into competitive in an effective way? Or does it just make like end circles you know, too easy uh, in high-end lobbies? So I think if you know, the developers can answer that question, then cool. But like you, you've, played it, you've played Fortnite more than I have. You know, sometimes you get very like, it's a different perspective when you are carrying melee weapons or when you go into bullet blocking and we've talked about how like apex even has changed it so emotes are anti-peak like you can't use them in any way shape or form so all those little things are will impact how something like this could come to fruition if it ever did in apex and apex just has such incredible movement that even like if you compare melee weapons in fortnite versus the potential of a melee weapon in apex considering the melee damage already and the movement speed and skill dangerous like super dangerous so fun but i think show you it has some good points on the the realistic application of something <laughs> like this it'd be too dangerous it'd be hard but i'd love to see them try maybe yeah. in some way yeah <laughs> 
Next question, five stars come from Noodles. Why don't you post on Instagram anymore? Henry, you can answer that one. Take it away. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try not to get too too far into the weeds, but yeah, we haven't been posting on Instagram for close to a year. Uh, if my memory yeah. you know, yeah. is correct. Um Instagram is really where we started. That was our roots. That's where you know we felt like we put a lot of effort in to build our initial community. And over the years, uh, we felt like it was taking so much time every single day to maintain that audience. And it, you know, we ended up building out a team to support it. You know, we had community clips being managed. We got it to a point where it wasn't a huge impact on us. But then there were multiple algorithm changes that we were just behind on, honestly. And one to point to was the massive shift to reels. And that's something that, you know, all of our content just stopped getting pushed in the algorithm. We stopped seeing any growth. And, you know, we tried to pivot with our, our video podcast clips as reels, but then we just weren't really seeing a huge return on it, not a lot of engagement. So we kind of turned our back on Instagram. I don't know if that makes anybody feel bad, but <laughs> know that, you know, we attribute, at least I attribute a lot of our success to Instagram in the early days of a third party. Um, so if you initially found us on Instagram, know that, you know, you're an OG and we appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. It is the OG audience for sure. And I think just by nature has to be a strong correlation for how we kind of got going. Uh, and then once it started to snowball outside of Instagram and then Instagram, like Henry was kind of saying, we stopped seeing the growth. We just got busy with other things as well. And it was just uh, you know, one of the first things to go in terms of what it actually had and what actual impact it had on the podcast. Um, next question, five star coming from Dark Prime. Hi, I've never really been a great Apex player, and I think that might be because I don't have a main. I'm currently divided between Ash and Rampart. My play style is quite aggressive and risky. So, who do you think I should main, Ash or Rampart? Kind of two thoughts in here. So, main important, and then which main to then choose? <laughs> yeah, we've gone back and forth on the importance of a main. I think. For most people, if you're an experienced player, a main becomes less and less important. But early on, or you know, depending on how much first-person shooter or hero shooter experience you have, having a main can be really valuable just because you get mechanically familiar with the kit and the playstyle and into that mindset. If you're always jumping between, you know, five or six legends, it can kind of be hard to know okay, this is the exact moment I use my ability uh, or this is a bad situation for me to be in. Ash or Rampart? It's a tough question. I, to, I agree with everything you said, by the way, on the main front, I think. Yeah, hit, hit all the notes the right way. And yeah, for the people that log on after work, play an hour each night, getting familiar with a legend can be helpful. If you are a aggressive and risky playstyle kind of person, if you're choosing between Ash or Rampart only, I would probably lean the Ash route as she can help you be aggressive with the ult. 
can kind of escape with the ult if need be as well. If you're a really aggressive, risky player, I always think you should gravitate towards one, maybe scaling back that nature of your gameplay, but also playing a movement legend that can kind of give you maybe some extra free passes. Uh, so that can be Wraith if you want, but that's not where where she used to be in terms of uh, cream of the crop. Pathfinder, great option for that. Loba, a great option for that. These people that can get in, get out uh, if you get separated from the squad. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. But I know you're the Rampart fan, so maybe you can make the argument that yeah. way as well. Yeah, I I don't want to talk you know, badly about Ash. She's one of the harder legends in the game to play. Like she is. just very technical, very unforgiving. Even the tactical, as aggressive as it is, is slow and hard to, you know, capitalize on. If I were to go, you know, best movement legend versus rampart, I would probably push you to, you know, go horizon, at least right now. Just probably the best solo mobility legend in the game. To give some love to Rampart, who is my girl. Minigun aside, passive aside, the solo viability of the tactical is so, so good. To be on your own in a 1v1 or a 1v2 and to use one or multiple walls to block damage and amp your outgoing damage. So, so, so good. I use it all the time. It's incredibly powerful. Um, but if you play Rampart, you're going to be in, I think, less risky situations because you lack that kind of aggressive mobility. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm torn. This is a really tough matchup for me. I'd probably lean Rampart because I think her kit is overall easier. But they have very, very different play styles. So it's a tough question to definitively answer yeah i think really choosing between the two it's tough i really want to i just as my earlier answer i want to throw another legend into the ring i just think like you kind of said you're gonna have tough times with ash she's a difficult legend to play in this nature and you probably will be able to have more effective gameplay with some other people so that's kind of my my line of thinking on it (laughs) yeah i'm trying to look at where we ranked ash on our our difficulty. Yeah, she was at the top of hard. Yeah. You know, she's in our like top six hardest legends in the game. So mm-hmm. that's pretty brutal. Yeah. No, not Grand an easy one. Middle of the pack. Not an easy one. That's for sure. Um, All right. You read, you're, this one's you. Yeah. I'm losing Last track of who's reading what. Question. <laughs> Five star coming from Pro Apex Gamer. Hi, Henry and Shay. I recently started to main Rampart. I love it. <laughs> I just got a 2K badge and I can't seem to get anything higher than that. Any tips? Okay, this is a good one. What should, mm-hmm. what should I say before I hand this one off to the guy that plays Rampart all the time? Um, I'll just plug Mastering Rampart. Great episode. Still relevant to an extent. And uh, yeah, take it away, Henry, as the resident Rampart main between the two of us. Yeah, I mean, if you just pick up a legend and you can drop a 2K, that's a really good sign. Success like, oh, that's story. great. Big success. Um, we could probably talk a lot about this topic. Um, I think that's a good plug to a previous episode, Shay. My best advice is to go watch a couple gaming merchant videos. Like He talks about how to get 4K, and he plays Rampart 
you know, at the highest level. So I really enjoy his videos and there's a lot of advice there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, getting these badges is a lot of luck based. It depends on the lobby that you're in. If you want to go for high damage, that means, you know, you're dropping hot. You're getting pretty lucky with a weapon, armor, mag. Um, you're getting, you know, 1.5, maybe 2K before you even start rotating. And then, you know, able to farm about 1,000 damage off the final two teams is sort of the, the math behind it. But this is something that Shay and I struggle to do. You know, we don't have 4K badges on every legend. It's not easy. But looking at the people that make it look easy is probably the best way to to improve. I think that's very fair. Um, yeah, man. First episode back, getting the rust off, man. Take a week off podcasting, but it was a it was an absolute pleasure. And we'll uh, catch you guys on Saturday. So thank you so much to our producer of the Third Party Ten, who supports us over on Patreon. Hit the plus on Apple. Drop us a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>